If you're looking for something exciting and exhilarating to do on your next vacation, why not go hunting the big five game and shoot every single one of them just with your camera? Hello, I'm Gary Bembridge and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com where you'll find links, show notes, how to subscribe, individual episodes and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travellers. This week on Tips for Travellers, we're talking about the quite magnificent Sabi Sands private game reserve in South Africa. The Sabi Sands game reserve is located and attached next to the very famous Kruger National Park. The Kruger National Park is probably one of the best known national parks in the world, and it's probably viewed as the best in Africa, if not one of the best. It was originally established right back in 1898, so it's well over 100 years old, and it was established to protect the wildlife of the South African Lowfelt, and it has nearly 2 million hectares of land. It's just enormous. It has apparently something like 336 types of trees, 49 fish if you're looking for fish, 34 amphibians, 114 reptiles, 507 birds and 147 mammals. Of course, not in total, that's different species and types. The best time to actually go to the Kruger Park or its environments is in the winter months, which run in the southern hemisphere from April to September. And the reason for that is the water is restricted to rivers and waterholes, so visibility is incredibly good as the vegetation is not very thick. Um, Whereas in summer, it's quite hot and humid during the rains, etc. So it's not the best time to visit. But we're going to talk about a place called Sabi Sands, S-A-B-I-S-A-N-D. Now, the Sabi Sand Game Reserve is actually in the southwest of the Kruger National Park, and it is a very, very um, magnificent place to go and visit. Let me tell you a little bit about the Sabi Sands itself. So, as I mentioned, the Sabi Sands is a private game reserve, and what's important, though, about it, although it's private, it's actually connected to the Kruger National Park, and game are allowed to move between the two parks, so it's not kind of fenced off. And the Sabi Sands itself, so it has all the benefits and all the incredible amounts of game, but actually it's where many of the most luxurious and the most special lodges are, so it's well worth a visit. When we stayed at the Sabi Sands Game Reserve, we stayed at Richard Branson, who ultimately owns Virgin, but he owns an incredible lodge there called Ulusabu Lodge, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So the Sabi Sands itself is about, well, it's quite far, actually. If you were driving, it's something like about a five- to six-hour drive from Johannesburg. Johannesburg, of course, being one of the best-known cities in South Africa. Pretoria, of course, being the capital. But it takes about five to six hours to drive, and it's not a very interesting drive. And so if you're actually going to the game reserve, particularly the Sabi Sands game reserve, most people 
will fly in there. It's about a one hour and 20 minutes flight from Johannesburg. And most of the lodges have private airstrips or they share a private airstrip. And there's many scheduled or charter flights available. And there's a company like Frontier, for example. And it's relatively inexpensive to fly. And they're quite small planes because these are very small private runways, some of which are not you know, tar, some of them are just grass, etc. Now, as I mentioned, the Sabi Sands is home to many, many very luxurious and very amazing kind of lodges. But that's not the only type that they have. They have kind of four groupings of lodges. The family safari lodges, which is great, obviously, if you're going surprise, surprise with families. They have then what they call the luxury safari lodges, which includes names like Elephant Plains Lodge, Ndubu Game Lodge, Lion Sands River Lodge, Mala Mala, which is very well known, and things called Sabi Sabi. And many people get confused between Sabi Sands and Sabi Sabi. But luxury is one level. They then have what they call the exclusive safari lodges, which is Chita Chita Lodge, which is probably one of the best, best known, or Leopard's Hills. And then on top of that, they have what they call their premier safari lodges, of which Londolozi, which is spelled L-O-N-D-O-L-O-Z-I, which has um, five different camps, and the Ulusaba, which I was talking about, which is the Richard Branson Lodge. Now, you can actually find a very good website if you're interested in the Sabi Sand Game Reserve at sabi, S-A-B-I, dot Kruger Park, that's K-R-U-G-E-R-P-A-R-K, dot co, dot Z-A. So that's sabi, dot Kruger Park, dot co, dot Z-A. And on my show notes, I've got quite a few links both to Sabi Sands, Kruger, etc., etc., um, different parks. The strange thing with Sabi Sands, though, is it's very surreal visiting Sabi Sands. It's, in relative terms versus Kruger, relatively small, and, and it's down um, more to the south and to the, the west of, of Kruger, um, in an area called Umpululanga. Um, and it's about Hutspreit, is one of the nearest cities. Now, those of you who have been to South Africa won't mean very much, but all you need to know, as I mentioned, it's about an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes flight from Johannesburg, up in the top part of the country. Now, the strange thing about Sabi Sabi is Sabi Sabi was actually one of the the areas um, with these private game reserves that first started doing um, open-top Land Rover-type tours. And what's interesting is, over time, the animals um, have got used to these trucks. Now, Sabi Sabi itself was formed formed about 1950, um, and it's got 56,000 hectares. But what's interesting about it, the animals in this area, and also through Kruger Park, have, through many generations, got used to these trucks, these Land Rover trucks, these open Land Rover trucks, which travel around, you know, twice a day around the various parks. And so they completely blank and ignore the trucks. And it's very, very surreal because you'll stop, for example, near two leopard, which are ripping to pieces some animal that they've killed. And they're literally about five or six feet away from you. And they completely and utterly ignore you, even though you're in the truck right there. We were surrounded one night by all these hyenas, which were chasing a lioness and, and, and eating this carcass of, of a giraffe. And we were parked there, and they were meandering around and cackling um, at themselves and at other animals, but just blanking us. Now, what the game uh, wardens will tell you and the trackers will tell you is that 
the animals, because they've grown up with these trucks, have come to know that they're harmless. And so they see them as no threat, so they completely ignore them. But it does lull you into a sense of almost false security because these animals seem almost tame and seem almost like domestic pets. What the game um, rangers will tell you is that though if you were to step out the truck or even to stand up, then straight away you would be recognised as, as an alien, if you like, and they would have you. They would basically go after you. And this is very true because when we were in, in South Africa visiting Ulusaba, there was um, there had been some stories of, of a, a woman tourist who had been driving through Kruger in their own car. A lot of people drive around in Kruger in their own private cars and sort of stop when they see game and, and take a look at it. And she'd actually got out of her car to take some pictures of some lion who then attacked and killed her. And a similar thing had happened in Zimbabwe with some Japanese tourists who had actually been in a lion and cheetah park. And again, the same thing, these animals are sitting there, you're very close to them, you're in a truck and they kind of ignore you. And this Japanese tourist had got out to take some pictures and again the lions um, just attacked and killed him. So you do realise that actually it's, it, 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 these are wild animals and they are incredibly, incredibly vicious and incredibly dangerous. And yet it just seems incredibly surreal. Um, I was just watching the video um, the DVD that we filmed that we'd taken and covered in DVD of these animals and you're so close to them and it just seems incredibly, incredibly um, bizarre and very surreal how close you get and how dangerous these animals are. I must admit that one evening sitting there in a truck with this leopard five feet away staring at me did make me feel somewhat uncomfortable. Just again to continue that story, the thing was also interesting is that um, the, the rangers and, and the wardens have never really been a threat to the animals and will almost never intervene in a problem. So, for example, when we were there, there was this, um, this pride of three lionesses and about 12 cubs. And the lionesses have been struggling because they hadn't been making a kill and being able to, to suckle and feed their cubs. And they had started to abandon the cubs. Um, these tiny little, um, you know, sort of 10-week-old um, cubs, which they had just abandoned and left to die. And it was quite distressing and upsetting seeing these little cubs just sitting by the side of the road. And the wardens were adamant that they would not intervene, their view being that, you know, this is the wild, these animals just need to be left to their own devices, and they don't want to upset the equilibrium. So you do realise, actually, that um, they don't intervene in any form or fashion, which is why the animals um, kind of ignore them. But it was interesting because there had been um, an elephant who had... Um, been suffering because it had been snared and it's it was um, in a, a lot of pain and danger and so they eventually made a decision since the animal would eventually die of its injuries to not prolong its suffering and shoot it and this had happened not long before we got there. What was interesting is elephants in the park were much more um, hostile and um, uh, aggressive towards the trucks than 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 apparently they were normally because they there had been kind of elephants have incredibly good memories and, and they were very um, had realized that everything was not quite quite right. So let me tell you a little bit more about Sabi Sand and then we'll get into some, some tips. I mentioned the different types of lodges in, in, in Sabi Sand. Actually altogether there's thirty lodges, um, but the, some of the best known are Londolozi, Sabi Sabi, Mala Mala, and now increasingly um, Ulusaba, which is, is the Richard Branson. Now, I mentioned in the opening about the Big Five game. One of the big things that people strive to do when they're visiting Sabi Sabi, which is particularly good for doing this because it's a relatively concentrated area, is hunt down and take pictures of or just see the Big Five game. 
Now, the Big Five game was originally um, given that name by big game hunters, and it's five large mammals, pretty much in Africa, or large in Africa. And they chose these five animals because they were difficult to hunt, nothing to do with size. And the five are lion, elephant, buffalo, leopard and the black rhinoceros so the lion the elephant the buffalo the leopard and the black rhinoceros it does include things like the hippopotamus for example because the hippopotamus is not that difficult to hunt because it basically lies around in pools and rivers all day and but these are very five dangerous animals you've got the lion which as you know a lot about the elephant was very huge and can be very aggressive and it just weighs a ton the buffalo is is actually considered to be the most dangerous of the big five game for hunters um, and they're very mean and very aggressive leopards are also very um, ferocious and and very strong and and rhinoceroses Although they're very large and very thick-skinned, they they can be very, very aggressive. So the big five game, lion, elephant, buffalo, leopard, and black rhinoceros, you can find quite easily within Sabi Sabi because it's it's relatively um, constrained. So I've mentioned a little bit about Sabi Sabi, and I've spoken a little bit about where it is. I really strongly recommend visiting, if you've never been on a safari, as visiting Sabi Sand um, Game Reserve was, without a shadow of a doubt, probably one of the most magical and amazing holidays that I've had. It's just being out there in the bush, driving around, looking at these incredibly stunning animals, living their lives, and being able to get so close to them really was just quite magnificent. So based on that, let me get into my tips for travellers if you're visiting the Sabi Sands. The first tip that I have if you're planning to visit Sabi Sands in South Africa is be very careful about the time that you go. I mentioned earlier that the best time to go is in the winter in the Southern Hemisphere, which is in the period from April to September. And the reason for that is is vegetation is not very lush and water is very short. So animals are tending to have to kind of hunt out and, and find water. So you can generally find animals, or the rangers, should I say, um, can find animals much, much um, easier for you. So it's easier to see. Also, although this is probably not what you want to hear, um, also because food is short um, generally. And so it, you often come across things like um, animal kills and, and that kind of stuff which um, is just part of, of, of seeing everything you see. The second thing, or the second tip, is be very careful and think about the type of lodge that suits you best. As I mentioned in Sabi Sabi, there's a huge range of different types of lodges, from family through luxury to exclusive into um, premier lodges. And what's happened now is the olden days of kind of roughing it in little sort of um, huts with um, thatch roofs is pretty much gone. And these are very luxurious places. So many of them will have things like plunge pools with um, the different rooms. As I mentioned, we stayed at Ulusabo, which is, is, is relatively, a relatively new place. Um, Richard Branson had been to visit it when it was relatively run down and bought it just because he thought it was so fantastic. Now, Ulusabo has two lodges. Um, it has a lodge, which is on the top of um, a hill, and that's the one we stayed at. And you can look on at photographs of that and actually um, a clips of the room, which is just amazing, and I'll tell you about it in a short while. So they have Rock Lodge, which is, is um, right on the top of, of a hill, and it's all built over the hill, and it's all on stilts and thatch roofs and things. And you have incredible views over the bush and, and wildlife, etc., 
and it's an incredibly steep hill that the, the Land Rover has to drive up. They then also have the Rock Lodge. Now, the Rock Lodge is at the bottom... Sorry, Safari Lodge. I've already spoken about Rock Lodge. The Safari Lodge is um, right down the banks of a, of a dry um, Maramak riverbed. And the, the houses are built treehouse style. And the reason they do that is because actually the actual old riverbed is still a walkway for animals and particularly um, for elephants walking by to get to a nearby watering hole. So there's also little... Um, walkways um, uh, like uh, rope and and and, and um, wood walkways between between the different lodges now the way these many these lodges work nowadays is you pay an all-inclusive fee and I'll talk a little bit about what the fee includes um, but one of the things that that does is, is it includes all your drinks includes your food and it's quite small you might only find that you have 18 guests or 16 guests or 12 guests there at any one time and you all eat meals together so a typical day would be for example what you do is uh, it's a very early start you would get woken up around about five o'clock or so in the morning have uh, some tea or coffee at about five fifteen, and at five thirty you'd set out on the game drive and what they would normally do is they'd stop for some refreshments and you go for a game drive for about three hours which sounds a long time but it goes incredibly quickly you can't believe that it's already nine o'clock you'd have breakfast and then then what you do is, is you have most of the day to yourself to, to either go to the gym because these places are incredibly uh, sorted or have beauty treatments in the spa or you can go on walking safari. You have lunch again with, with everybody and then about four o'clock or so you have afternoon tea and then you head off on an evening game drive around about four o'clock, 4.30 until about 7.30. Now often what these lodges will do is out in the bush they'll then surprise you with sundowner drinks and a little bonfire, some entertainment, snacks, etc. You'll then return to the lodge for dinner. Now, the problem is you have dinner about, um, you sit down for dinner, you have dinner and drinks, and so you're often going to bed quite late, you know, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and you'll be woken up again at 4.30. So it's quite a, an action-packed day, and I have to admit that what we ended up doing is skipping the morning uh, morning drive and, and just enjoying the, the evening drive. Um, but that's kind of, um, you know, up to you and, 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 and pace yourself. So choosing the right lodges is very important, and I've got links to Lusaba. The thing I would say is it's not uh, cheap, um, many of these places, so that's why it's very important to choose. Now, the other thing is what we found is quite a few people that we stayed at would stay at more than one lodge since they'd flown there on a little private plane, and they would tend to stay at a couple of lodges. And because Sabi Sabi is not that massive, it's relatively easy to transfer between them either um, by Land Rover or, or, or little, um, you know, sort of skipping up on, on little planes. The third tip would be, and I think I've already mentioned this earlier, is, you know, I would strongly recommend that you actually fly up to Sabi Sabi rather than than drive. It's a very long drive and you lose a whole day, basically, when you could be in the park. And actually, the flights are relatively expensive. I mentioned Frontier and, and, and other other things, but most of the lodges will, will give you links. Sometimes, depending on which lodge you're going to, you may have to fly on one plane. So, for example, we went to Ulusabu. They have a relatively small strip. So we went up on about a 12, 14-seat plane to about an hour and 20 minutes, and then we got another much smaller plane, which was literally about a five or ten minute um, hop on, on a plane. Because although I'm saying it's relatively small, things are quite quite packed out, so it's so spread out. So well, I was really strongly suggest that you fly. And so if you don't like little planes, you know, it's not that long, and just kind of grin and bear and get into it, really. Um, the next tip would be to stay enough nights. One of the things we found is, and partly because it's relatively expensive staying at these places, um, 
stay enough nights. Some people only stay like two nights, and it's very, very packed, and you just don't get a chance to relax and enjoy the bush and just unwind and all that kind of stuff. We actually stayed it for four nights, and that wasn't even enough because by the time you've had your drives and you've relaxed and you've perhaps had a swim and and just generally enjoyed yourself and and paced yourself, you know, it's gone. But I think the average night at most of these lodges is only two nights, which which is just too tiring and, and, and too rushed. And so that's one thing I would strongly recommend is make sure that you stay enough nights. The other thing to do, which is a tip, is be very careful about what you do. I've already mentioned the risks in the bush, but listen very much to the guide. The guides, these guys and the trackers, because what happens, you go out with um, a, a, a guide or a ranger and on, sitting on the front of the truck, who they must be very brave, in these little um, a little seat on the front of the Land Rover is the tracker who's there to kind of watch out for game and, and follow tracks and things like that. And um, each of the trucks will have a weapon, some sort of shotgun or something, which is normally kept in, in the truck. But listen to what they say because they're there to protect you at the end of the day. But they are incredibly knowledgeable, and these people have huge passion, and many of them just grown up in the bush from when they were very young. And they know so much, but... Um, you know, whilst they're very giving and they'll tell a lot, they know much more and they, you know, bear in mind that they're taking people out twice a day, every day. And so listen to them and ask them lots of questions because if they know that you're interested, they will just open up and tell you the most amazing stories and it's really, really worth worth doing that and investing some time with them. You know, bear in mind, they're spending six hours a day driving people around every day and so just make sure that you really tap into their knowledge and also really listen to, to what they do. Absolutely important. <clears throat> One of the things you need to really do is make sure that you see the, the big five that I'd mentioned earlier. And that's why I say staying in something like Sabi Sabi and going out with a ranger is a good idea. Because they will do their damnedest to make sure you see the lion, the elephant, the buffalo, the leopard and, and, the, and the black rhino. They really will go out of their way to do it. That's they know is everyone's ultimate. If you go to somewhere like Kruger and you're kind of doing your own thing... You have to kind of stick more to the roads. You can't go off the road and you're in your own car. Whereas in um, a safari lodge, you've, you're in an open truck and you just it's you just have much better views, much chance to take pictures. And of course, they can go off the track. So a couple of times we went right off the track on these four wheel drives and drove, you know, up and down through rivers and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. So they will make sure that you see the big five. And the other tip is, is enjoy the facilities. I already mentioned that these places have lots of facilities and just incredibly interesting people. Now, what you'll find most of the lodges do is, in addition to having things like spas and pools and that kind of stuff, many of them can organize either walking tours, which is which is very, very interesting itself, um, if you like doing that. So you'll, you'll, you'll go actually and, and, and you know walk and they'll talk more about the plants and beliefs and that kind of stuff. But most of these will also do a community tour which will take place outside the reserve in a local village and you get a sense of the Shongon lifestyle which are the, the people who live nearby there. And they'll take you to primary school or pre-primary school and they'll sing to you, do some singing, dancing um, and that kind of stuff. And what the idea of that really is to help pump money into local schools and local communities. So many people like to try and do that because the feeling of the sense that you will actually, um, you know, be supporting supporting people. Bizarrely enough, um, many of these places have things like tennis courts, and many of them have arts and crafts shops, which are, to be honest, relatively expensive, and you can actually find um, probably, um, you know much cheaper kind of stuff. The other thing that you'll often find, and you can do it from Sabi Sabi, is you can get a helicopter flight, 
where they'll use a Belljet Ranger, um, about four passengers and a pilot. And for about 45 minutes, they'll go along and they'll show you kind of some of the waterfalls and stuff in the area. Um, or they'll do another one, which is over the Blind River Canyon, um, and what's known as the Three Rondavals. And you can sort of uh, stop and have a picnic and, and, and have a look at some of the, uh, the, the flights and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> um, the other thing you can also do is, is you can go on a tour to a breeding project tour, which features the Cheetah and Endangered Wildlife Breeding Project and the Bly River Canyon. And basically you'll, you'll visit a museum and, and, and bits and pieces like that and understand all about the con- conservation work. There's a lot of conservation work happening in, in this area and that's, that's well, you know, well worth visiting. Now, the, it, as I've, I've spoken a lot about um, uh, uh, Ulusaba, which I would strongly recommend, is very, very nice. But you know, one of the best known and, and one of the most famous um, of, the, of, of, of all the lodges is um, Londolozi. And I want to talk a little bit um, about Londolozi because that's definitely a place that I would go to um, if I went back there. So it's one I would strongly consider and where a lot of people that we spoke to had stayed there. Londolozi is is considered to be probably, you know, the finest, or they would certainly build themselves as the finest. And they really focus themselves on care of the land, care of wildlife and care of people. And it's, you know, it's, it's got, won many, many awards. It's won um, lots of uh, international awards. It's been in the same family now for 74 years. And they really focus particularly on leopard. It's one of their, their big, big um, things. Now, they actually have a couple of um, parks, um, a, a couple of camps, the Butterloo Camp, Tree Camp, and Founders and Pioneer Camp. And they're all slightly different. And Londolosi is a Zulu word meaning protector of all living things, which I think is a, is a very nice sense of what they're about. And um, Charles Varty's grandsons now, John and Dave Varty, um, are the ones who really um, ha- have carried it, carried on. It started with four rondavals, a very little hut structure, um, which are still actually intact, but obviously it's become a much bigger, um, much bigger thing. And um, they really, really are supposed to be very, very special. It was, for example, voted by readers of Condé Nast Traveller as um, onto the gold list of the world's best travel destinations and, and all that kind of stuff. It's been voted number one in the top ten hotels for service. So very luxurious and, and, and very, very, very special indeed. So that's um, Sabi Sands, the private game reserve near Kruger in South Africa. And if you're planning to go um, on a safari, which I would really recommend you do at some point, This is a really special place to go. You've been listening to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination Podcast with Gary Bembridge. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com where travellers is spelt with two L's or mytravelreviews.com. Please email any questions or comments to gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. That's gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. To subscribe to the podcast, search for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or Yahoo.